Hello, friends. Welcome. It's Cindy Silva with Metaphysical Wisdom. I have my teacher and friend and colleague, Roger Janka, here with me. Hi, Roger. Hi. So glad to be here. Thrilled yeah. about it. Let's, um, looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. Roger's in Santa Barbara, and I'm in Avila Beach, California. And Roger's one of my Qigong teachers. Um, super happy to be having this conversation. I've been really looking forward to it. And um, really just want to say how impressed I am with um, how you've brought Qigong to all of us and this position you have on the faculty of the Shift Network has really been wonderful to watch um, just the whole world getting to know you and have access to your wisdom and teachings. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been uh, kind of like, uh, well, you know, what we watch for is um, for opportunities for people to learn about how powerful they are. And we have done a pretty good job of that. In fact, we trained now uh, at the Institute of Integral Qigong and Tai Chi. We've trained around 3,000 teachers and practice leaders. And, and so if the idea is to support people in understanding how powerful they are, that is a, an amazing way to do it. And, and then for the shift network to then pile on and give us the opportunity to reach to an audience that we would otherwise not have access to, that's just, well, it's just all a big miracle. And um, of course, our goal is to have everybody in the world <laughs> practicing Qigong because when you practice Qigong, this doesn't happen for everybody, but for a lot of people, it does happen. When you practice Qigong, you become for more mindful. When you become more mindful, you make choices differently. When you make choices differently, it's possible, not always, but possible that you will find what works for you. And at the point that a person realizes that they're allowed to decide what works for them, then everything changes. Because we live in a world right now where most people let other people decide for them. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of a human tragedy. Mm -hmm. and, and so we're, we're, we're engaged in this profound opportunity we have no idea the extent to which well think of it this way if we needed to send somebody to mars we would want to be sure that they knew qigong <laughs> if, if if the if the world is going to collapse and and sort of self-destruct the the people that are going to have the best experience of that collapse are the people who know how to practice qigong yoga tai chi Kung Fu, mindfulness, you know, all those things. Um, <clears throat> if we decide that we're gonna put human consciousness into a electronic device, we would wanna be sure that the consciousness that we choose put into that device understands the values and uh, the uh, sort of, uh, shall we say, ethical framework of, of people who study Qigong. So it's like, no matter what, Qigong is, uh, you know, thumbs up everywhere. 
<laughs> well said. Geez, you jumped right in. There's so many threads I can pull here. <laughs> go back to when um, when I first trained with you. What I loved about you was that very thing that people have to decide what works for them. And um, you were playful. We had fun. We laughed a lot. And one of the stories you shared with us um, is a common story among a few of my other teachers is that you started off as an acupuncturist and then you realized that you had better results with people that your clients that were interested in learning Qigong and doing for themselves. And you eventually migrated out of the practicing um, acupuncture and just teaching Qigong because that very thing you said about people needing to do for themselves instead of looking for someone else to fix them. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. So let's do pull that thread. Uh, like we talked about a moment ago, we happen to live in a time of history where people have become confused and therefore they don't think that they can figure things out and therefore they seek someone who will tell them what to think and therefore they are at risk for becoming biased to ideas that they may not have been attracted to if they thought that they were allowed to be more thoughtful and self-determining. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in my clinical practice, probably about 20% of the people who were my clients in medicine, we call people patients. Uh, I don't even like that because like, well, what does it mean patient? It means, well, being patient means waiting around. Uh, for people who are engaged, you, you don't do a lot of waiting around. And, and, and so I like to call them clients, but even more, I like to call them citizens because that's what they are. They're, they're, they're people who have rights and are allowed to be more self-determining. So in my clinical practice, I've got maybe 20% of the people who kind of ring the bell of self-determinism and 80% are basically just people who say, well, I don't know, you're the doctor, you just figure it out for me and then do it and I'll pay you. And um, then I was teaching Qigong and Tai Chi and all of that and, and uh, and 100% of the people in the Qigong class were interested in self-determinism and they wanted to learn more and they wanted to be able to have experiences that would allow them to make selections and choices. Um, and that just seemed to me like that's the American way. That's the democracy. Hmm. That's the self-determinism that is mentioned in the, in the uh, Declaration of Independence, you know, when we talk about uh, the, uh, the rights that people have to be, be happy and well and pursue a life that they, that they prefer. And, and in the Constitution, you know, it says, in order to create a more perfect union of, you know, all of us, like a community of people, a community of thoughtful people who came up with guidelines to be able to sustain the peace and the, and the ability for a person to make their own choices. Uh, so 
just so incredible. So anyway, it's kind of like Qigong is a kind of patriotism where people become all excited, but instead of becoming all excited about a particular, shall we say, party, and I don't know why these things are called parties, because they don't seem like my definition of a party is more like a celebration. <laughs> we'll get together and do fun stuff. Uh, so patriotism, transpartisan patriotism is something where people believe in the fact that they have choices that they can make and they inform themselves and they give themselves experiences so that they can make those choices. So it was pretty easy for me to philosophically disassociate from clinical practice. I will say that there were a couple of years there where I realized it wasn't the best economic decision. Right. Um, but in the end, you know, it it worked out and 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 I'm just I'm just so much more on purpose. Yeah. And that that feels magnificent. Well, interesting. I never thought of it this way until you just spoke it, but this evolutionary leap that we've made to Zoom and all this remote learning and being able to access teachers all over the world that we may not have had access to before. Mm. I mean, it seems like you were directed because you can't do acupuncture for people all over the world, but you can teach <laughs> to people all over the world. And so it was natural migration for you. At the time, we couldn't see that, but yeah, looking yeah. back, it seems kind of obvious. Well, I like the idea, which I have no idea whether it's true. I like the idea that the destiny part of our life uh, is there in some way. And, um, you know, call it good luck, call it karma, call it destiny. Clearly, it's not predetermined because in a moment I can say, well, I'm going to turn right. And I made that decision and I turn right. But then it seems like there's another thing going on. Mm -hmm. And you were just reflecting on the whole idea that before I had the idea that such a transition had relevance, not just in the moment that I made the decision and did the transition, but that it was actually in good faith mm -hmm. based on something that was coming, mm -hmm. maybe. And so I was all the more, shall we say, situated for the for that the coming of that. And um, I, I don't know what the magic formula is. I think it's kind of like a kind of mathematics that goes beyond space-time, the realm that we live in, um, the clock that we watch, the sun, our own sun that rises and sets. Um, it seems like there's a bigger clock somewhere and there's a, a, a calculation process that retains balance and harmony in the world, like the yin and the yang being in harmony and balance called Tai Chi, mm -hmm. um, that uh, we cannot use the human uh, brain or, or awareness to be able to calculate, but it just feels to me very palpable. Like there's 
you know, some kind of something. <laughs> in My friend, play. yeah, I have a friend, Lauren Holmes. Uh, she's an a physical anthropologist. She calls it the bioflow. Ooh, nice. When you're the whole purpose of practicing Qigong is to remove the stagnation and get into the circulation with the bioflow of the body, with the larger bioflow of that rhythm you were talking about. And when we're open and receptive and we're in flow, then we can kind of recognize when we're getting redirected instead of resisting it and hanging on to a familiar identity or past, we can sort of trust and lean into and open further with curiosity and see what happens. The language that you are calling upon here today is really lovely. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. And just how you put the words together, that's a, that's classic Qigong teacher, you know, wizardry. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Coming from you, that means a lot. <laughs> And uh, takes one to know one. <laughs> well, thank you. And yeah, we, have a, we have a mutuality. Yeah, and certainly. And um, yeah, we can go in a lot of directions. But I like, you know, when you're, I will go back and pull another thread from your opening. Um, when you talked about these transitions, like this um, sort of impasse that we're at is as a species and facing some really big challenges, you know, these um, obstacles that seem unsurmountable. And I read somewhere, it might have been a David Bohm quote, I don't remember, but it, it goes something like this, where evolution creates obstacles that force a quantum leap. And it's the pressure of this, these unsurmountable challenges that create a quantum leap, make a quantum leap necessary in order to move through the threshold, right? Um, and I feel like we're there at that yeah. precipice. And the, um, when we talk about um, survival, if you will, and the esoteric nature of Qigong, um, and we're working with energetic uh, fields and geometries, basically, when we're doing our forms and creating symmetry around us, it's it reminds me of the the cosmic uh, qigong and the esoteric aspects of it, and how we have a vehicle that's energetic. That um, even if we're ending this life in this body, we can our consciousness moves on, and if we know how to um, operate that vehicle and construct it, then we'd have an easier time in making transitions like what we're facing. Hmm. Gorgeous. Uh, you know, I could just applaud and say, yeah, like exactly. Um, but I'll, I'll pile on and say that, um, you know, there's a lot of threads in that, what you just said, uh, let's just stay you know dangerously and precariously on the edge of the political discussion for just as an instant not because it's anywhere near the most important part but it is the part that most people are caught in mm -hmm. and um 
you know, we've we've created this idea of like the the blue people and the red people and and so forth. And if you look at the at the tendency for people to allow themselves to become disempowered, then what happens is that there's the natural arising of commercial interests that like to basically sell stuff to people. Like something simple, like selling the idea that there's gold in California and then loading up railroad cars with unfortunate people from the East and the Midwest who then thunder their way into Sacramento and buy up all kinds of stuff. They buy, uh, you know, picks, shovels and donkeys and, you know, stuff to carry with them when they go into the mountains to search for gold. Um, I, I think that the average human is predisposed to the idea that um, seeking convenience and wealth is like the most important thing. Mm. And, and, and so then what happens is that these characters that we call politicians show up to assure us that if we're red, we're gonna be more comfortable, or that if we're blue, we're gonna be more comfortable. But behind the scenes, both the red and the blue are opportunistic elites. I'm just gonna have to say it. And, and so what happens is now we're all enslaved to the, to the convenience that is offered by these people that are selling stuff. And on the surface, they look like they don't agree, but if you push in, you'll find that, I wanna stay away from what people call conspiracy um, because my definition of conspiracy is that we breathe, inspire together, con, spire, conspire, breathe together. Well, what does spire mean? Well, it means breathe, but it also means the invisible forces that infuse us like chi. So I think probably one of the most important things that Qigong does is create these kind of um, patriots that are non-aligned with these partisan things. And so I'll just leave that one there. Well, I'll say one more thing is that every day it becomes obvious that the reds are cheaters and that the blues are cheaters and that the blue and the red cheaters are convincing us that we need to follow one or the other of them. And I'm a, an advocate of the whole idea of trans going trans, and I don't mean transhuman, and I don't mean trans all that. What I mean is beyond these dichotomies to unity. And I'll just 
reflect on the phrase from the beginning of the Constitution one more time, in order to create a more perfect union. That's what this is all about. So when uh, anybody, whether it's a Taoist sage or a quantum physicist, when they say that the pressure that comes onto a circumstances to be able to basically pop uh, an unexpected outcome is, is it's just a part of, I think, how the universe works. I mean, where, where does a sun come from? You know, where does a, where does a, where does space time come from? You know, when, when Einstein says, in the absence of time, everything happens at once. Well, if everything's happening at once, how do you experience anything? So humans have to have time to be able to separate the uh, experience of where we are and who we are and what environment we're in and what it is that we're shopping for, all those things uh, require that the whole pop into a kind of uh, entertaining experience of um, separations of this's and that's so that we can, but those of us who are interested in these things and we, we study the Taoists and the Buddhists and the shamans and the, and the quantum physics people and so forth and the anthropologists, um, you know, what we, what we know is that beyond all of the complexity that we're experiencing is this unified field where it's impossible to have conflict a world with time and levels of influence has to exist for conflict to exist. But we know that we can tap into and live into an experience where conflict dissolves into I love the word that you used previously, curiosity. So now instead of wanting to overcome you, what I want to do is I want to get to know you. And then I want to work with you and everybody else to create a context in which it's safe for everyone to be. And truth is, I think we may have passed the threshold where safety in this particular historical cycle of the earth and its population, I think we may have passed that point. And so, you know, we can, I mean, I, you, we work on it every day. Uh, just because it's not possible or might not be possible, I don't stop believing in, in the fact that it could be possible. And I don't stop participating in how that possibility could come forward. But I'm also powering up, calming down, and prepping with resilience and vitality for whatever is, you know, whatever great and interesting surprises are coming. Thank you. Yes, I agree. So the difference between uh 
separation paradigm and a unity paradigm, what you're speaking to, and the difference between trusting that the, the consciousness in the universe is conspiring on your behalf and you have access to what you need to um, maintain a life force that supports you and connects you and plugs you into the intelligence that governs everything and to be able to attract the resources to support you in that, a community or a teacher, or, and it's all available. And um, the more we make that known, the easier it is for people to access it. So that you've done a stellar job at that and you continue to. Um, and I thank you for, yeah, using this platform to share that message because it's really, um, trust is such a huge thing because when we're not trusting, we're not open. That's correct. And there's a lot of messages that we get in our world of reasons that we shouldn't trust. But again, we don't want to look outside of ourselves to someone else's opinion of the world and make it our own. We want to go within and be resourceful and determine that for ourselves, our unique relationship to the universe and to consciousness is the reality we're creating. And it's, it's the example that we're bringing to the world. And I feel like um, our physical body is a, an anchor on this planet for a field of energy. And the, the field of energy that we are anchoring is our gift to the world. And we would bring that the best field possible, the most. Yay. I love that. Yeah, because that's what in train, if you have a powerful, balanced, fluid, generous field, then other fields entrain to that. Mm. And it's co-regulating force, which is what we need when there's a lot of turbulence, is we need to co-regulate with nature that's already balanced and naturally attuned with the bioflow. Wow. Yes. And let's add to bioflow. Let's add the, the other little cool phrase, which comes from, um, oh, I, I guess it's a philosophical phrase that um, <clears throat> comes from thoughtful contemporary philosophers, is the concept of life world, life world. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so there's a whole group of uh, people who uh, are they trend to being kind of interested in the non-dualistic uh, view of things who say uh, that each person is a world. Mm. And so instead of us all being in the world that we think we're in, we're all in our own world in the world that we think we're in. <laughs> and so it's it's a beautiful, uh, you know, so self-determined, a, a self-determined life world is going to be in a, a kind of a direct relation with that flow thing. Say that phrase again. Bioflow. With that bioflow. Uh, because you can't have a bio, you're not a bio if you're anywhere below about six inches of soil, you're not a bio. And if you're below anything but maybe like 
a thousand feet above you, you're not a bio. And so heaven is up there and the mineral planet and the fire at the center of the earth, those are down there. And we're here in this little thin realm where bio is even possible. And we're obviously bio. So we, we can either bio flow or we can bio not flow. Bio crash. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious if you'd be open to it because I am bona fide, authentic curious. What is your background that makes it possible for you to use the language that you do? Um, I've just, I don't know, my life experience, I guess. Well, you definitely carry on relationships with remarkable people, uh, including your uh, anthropological friend and, and all the teachers that you've had. Um, so like you're not a, a sociologist or a physiologist or a, are you any kind of a gist? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of some smart comeback, but I don't have one. No, I'm just, <laughs> I don't have a degree in anything but life and, you know, curiosity. Yeah. I love that. I have one, two, three of of myself Re rebecca is my spouse and we have two kids each and so three of our four kids uh did not finish uh high school and they are uh and they got their ged and all that stuff and then they some of them went on to tiny little uh schools and and usually they might have or they might not have actually graduated from those schools so they're really just good solid basic human beings who have navigated quite uh efficiently without any kind of fancy degree mm -hmm. uh, you know my fancy degree is in chinese medicine um but what's really interesting about that and we can pull a couple of threads here if you want to is that the Chinese medicine of today is very different than the Chinese medicine that was invented by the ancients. And mm. so and so is the Qigong, unless you get into Qigong and figure this out, is that uh, Qigong was originated and, and Chinese medicine was originated by human beings probably a hundred thousand years ago and when we look at the literature the kind of accepted literature about these things um it always points to the earliest writing and the earliest writing is anywhere from 1000 to 500 before the common era so that's going to be somewhere around uh two uh, three thousand years ago and then they kind of extrapolate and say, well, we have some pottery that shows that there were people thinking about these things more like 5,000 years ago. So typically Chinese medicine is said to be 5,000 years old and Qigong is said to be 5,000 years old. Um, but if you, if you look into shamanism and if you look into the history of the development of 
uh, humans, um, what we know is that the uh, the hunter-gatherers were closer to 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, the, that's the end of hunter-gatherers. So then we get to ask, well, what was the beginning of hunter-gatherers? And nobody knows. Um, there's no, because they didn't have, uh, originally they didn't have uh, weapons other than sticks and stones. And, 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 and they didn't build uh, houses uh, uh, out of anything but straw and wood. Uh, and the only thing that we have as evidence of their lives is places where fires mm. were built or where humans were buried in a way that seems obvious that they were kind of thoughtful, shall we say. And the most recent discovery of thoughtful burial is a million. Wow. So if we say, okay, don't say a million, let's just say 500,000. Let's say that people had developed a kind of broadly across the world, a a reasonable capacity to communicate with each other and develop, uh, you know, uh, annual rituals and so forth. How long did it take the ancient ones to figure out the solstices? Mm-hmm. How long did it take the ancient ones to figure out, well, th- this day is really short. How <laughs> long did it take for the ancient ones to figure out like, wow, this is a, this is a much longer day. Uh, how long did it take them to figure out, you know, when the, the night and the day are about the same? Probably not that long. How long did it take them to notice that there were a, moon, a full moon? How long did it take them to realize that there was a new moon? How long did it take them to realize that full moon and the new moon recurred? How long did it take them to figure out that the the 24 full moons and new moons made up around the same time that it takes for the sun to go from the longest day to the longest day one more time? Um, These are probably things that people figured out, um, you know, 50,000, 100,000 years ago. And then, at what point did they say, well, if you if you walk in a circle and you think about um, your uh, the the ancestors that you appreciate, or if you walk in a circle and you imagine yourself being your favorite animal and and take on the feeling of that animal to to kind of occupy your consciousness. So now instead of worrying about whether you have enough food or if your daughter is going to marry the right person, you're taking refuge in the in the character of of a magnificent wild uh, animal that has a different kind of way of caring about things. And then how long did it take them to figure out like, you know, if I point to my shoulder to my good friend that I was just on a hunt with, how long would it take for us to figure out how to say like, when you press there, that hurts. It, it just doesn't take that long. So the, the, what I like about Chinese medicine is where it came from. Mm-hmm. And China is very political and it always has been. 
all the way back to the first dynasty, the Han dynasty, and even previous to the Han dynasty into what are called, sometimes called the, um, uh, the uh, sorry, uh, the mythological dynasties. So there's the Xia dynasty, the Shang dynasty, and the Zhou dynasty that happened before the Han. And those are all, um, and maybe the Qin, I mean, I guess the Qin is in there too. So the point is that um, the organization of culture around dynasties goes back uh, historically um, to about 2000 years before the uh, common calendar. And then it really picks up as a real history around the beginning of the common calendar and about 200 years before the common calendar. So the point is that government and particularly the influence of Confucius on governing became almost as stupid as the American version of government that we live with today. And therefore, if you look at, uh, at Western medicine and how it's been taken over by the uh, medical industrial complex, you can just apply that to Chinese medicine all the way back to pretty close to the year zero on the common calendar, meaning that as time passes, it becomes more dogmatic and less, shall we say, spontaneous. And therefore, instead of learning by paying attention to the world, we pay attention to what other people think the world, how, how other people think the world works. And by the time you get to the point where they change the four sides of the elemental world, the earth, water, fire, air world, into the five points of the five elements world, we're already deep into dogma. And that's not to say that the five elements is a bad idea, but I'm just testifying to the fact that what I'm the most interested in and find the most easy for people to take on and learn from is a lot different than the whole idea of you got to do this for that. And you have to have, you know, if you're doing five elements, you have to act like a certain way and you have to apply a certain um, emotion to that particular aspect of the calendar. And, and those are all lovely ideas. And it's one of the really interesting ways for humans to keep track of everything. Because imagine if you've got 10,000 things to keep track of, if you create five elements, then you can organize 10,000 things in a more memorable sort of way so that you can teach those ideas. The problem is that those ideas may only have been just a memory system as opposed to a, shall we say, I mean, I like the word spontaneous and the Chinese use the word spontaneous a lot. Z-I-Z-R-A-N, Z-R-A-N, Z-R-A-N, 
means the spontaneous presence of nature. Mm. And so I like to teach people how to be their own doctor by understanding how to become a spontaneous human being, which means that you're not necessarily paying attention to what people, other people think you should be doing. And it's, it's, it's hard, but it is incredibly powerful. Mm. Oh, thank you for all that background. That's a lot of new information for me. I appreciate, appreciate <laughs> that story. I kind of, as I'm listening to you tell the history, I can see um, how consciousness is um, moving through these processes of self-awareness and through limitation, right? And um, it really brings me back to your first book, The Healer Within, which is that we have the power to create our own medicine within our own body. And the term dantian, meaning elixir field, that we have these cinnabar fields in our system where we can create and circulate medicine and be our own healer, the healer within. And that book, I've used that book. Well, I've used it as a study tool for uh, groups. Uh, I've taught from it in workshops. And I just love the practicality of it, the simplicity of it, the structure of it. It's like you you basically created a workshop for me and not just used the outline. Um, it was just made my job easy to introduce people to Qigong and um I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about that book. How many years ago was it that you wrote it and what has changed since? And do you, does it still um, stand as an authority on what you teach? Yeah, it's the foundation. So what we do at the Institute of Integral, Integral Qigong and Tai Chi is that we have a hierarchy or, or a path of training uh, for a person to become a a 200-hour teacher, a certified 200-hour teacher. And many of the people that we train take the smallest little piece of that, which we call uh, Healer Within Medical Qigong. And it's just a 16-hour training. And people say, uh, often in a derogatory sort of way, a person went to a workshop for a weekend, and then they put up a sign that says, I will teach you Qigong. And the answer isn't, that's a bad idea. The answer is, that's a great idea. Because some little simple, accessible piece of Qigong that includes all of the key features, which we call the four baskets of practice, body practice, breath practice, mind focusing practice, and massage practice, those four baskets of practice are typical in Tai Chi, as well as Qigong, in Kung Fu, and then in India, in yoga, and in all of the indigenous cultures had some kind of mind-body practice. And so the healer within was fashioned, shall we say, as a distillation of the most accessible feature of these uh, systems of healing and self-determination that were developed by all of the shamanic cultures. And when you read The Healer Within, 
there's a little bit about qi and qigong and tai chi and Chinese medicine and so forth in there, but not a lot. It's mostly based on principles that are common to all these shamanic traditions. The thing that's changed, uh, I'll mention two things about it. Uh, one, it's not a change, it's that people say to me, it was published in 19, originally 1997 in, in hardcover by um, HarperCollins, and it's still published by HarperCollins as, as a soft cover. Uh, and it apparently sells, it, it goes through to enough end users on an annual basis that they continue to do print runs and so forth. Um, and so people say to me all the time, you know, it's a shame you wrote that book then because you were before your time and you should publish it again because now everybody's sort of turned on to these ideas that were so fringy, shall we say, at the time. And um, HarperCollins has declined to republish it, uh, so whatever. And then the second thing about it is that what we knew about the physiology then in 1997 was uh, really couldn't take into consideration in a very specific sort of way, things like neurotransmitters. Uh, there's some mention of neurotransmitters in the autonomic nervous system and so forth uh, there, but we didn't know too much about using the word vagal nerve, although we could have, it wasn't common at that at time. The concept of being able to rehabilitate your telomeres, which support the continued capacity for a human to be able to replicate new cells and therefore have a, a, a healthier, let's call it a longer health span. I'm not talking lifespan, because it's easy to keep people alive beyond when they want to be uh, with pharmaceuticals and so forth, which is a huge tragedy. But we use the word health span these days to describe extending life, its longevity, but its healthy longevity. And we didn't know as much about the mitochondria. We didn't know as much about um, cellular senescence. Uh, we, we didn't know uh, we didn't know anything in in the nineteen in nineteen ninety seven or or not much about heart rate variability and the co uh, kind of the co functioning of heart rate variability as a as a Western scientific uh, description of what qi, the harmonization of chi is in Western terms. Um, we did not, uh, only recently have we begun to start to talk about um, interoception, interoception being the scientific word for uh, internally focused self-awareness. It's a, it's a kind of a science word for mindfulness. It's a kind of science word for bringing coherence between the physical feeling self, the physical feeling self would say, I feel pain. Or when they do Qigong, they might say, 
I feel tingling. It's like a sensory experience of feeling. And, and so being aware of what we're feeling is, is uh, interoception. But then there's another side of interoception, which is the other way we use the word feeling, which is emotional. So I am aware that I'm feeling frustrated now and I understand that I could be reactive because I usually am, but instead I am cultivating the capacity to be more considerate and to launch myself into some breath practice or some Tai Chi or Qigong or yoga to be able to reestablish my equanimity so that I can become, instead of reactive, I can become more curious. And so interoception is, that that is big. And just for the listeners, the National Institutes of Health back in the 1990s created the Office of Alternative Medicine. Later, they changed the name of it and upgraded it to what's called a center. And it was named the National Center for Alternative and Complementary Medicine. And more, more recently, that has been upgraded again to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. And so there's actually, a, there's actually an institution inside of the NIH that is um, advocating for all the different kinds of uh, alternative medicine, but they're calling it now alternative health, which is, uh, I'm sorry, alternative, no, complementary, yeah, integrative health. And, and so the word, the health word is so much more powerful in our society than the medicine word, because the medicine word means somebody's gonna do something to you and the health word means you're going to do something for yourself. So, and, and, and their big, you know, breakthrough, they've had conferences on it, and papers are written on it and so forth. Um, in, interoception, look that up. I-N-T-O-C-E-P-T-I-O-N. Yeah, Very curious about that. I will look that up. Yeah. Well, it's about, you know, empowering ourselves through being resourceful, right? I, I just always feel like I attract exactly what I need in terms of information. But um, sometimes being an intellectual, I can spend more time uh, with that uh, conceptualizing it than applying it. But I've learned as, you know, I've gotten wiser that it's, it's not about standing in front of the doorway and studying the frame. It's about walking through and seeing what's <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, well, that's that's classic cultivation. Um, yeah. You have to balance the practice with information for why we're doing the practice. Yeah. Because an average citizen will find going to a class or a workshop, they will find that uh, inspiring, but as soon as they leave the presence of the person who holds the knowledge, their practice depreciates to zero. 
And so if a person is lucky enough to be like you and be curious, and therefore you learn the practice, you get inspired, you hear about the possibilities in the intellectual side, and then instead of losing steam because you don't have time or you're not inclined or, or you love to be entertained, but you don't wanna do anything, then you learn more. And the more you learn, the more you realize I'm learning about why that practice is so powerful. And eventually I have enough learning to be able to sustain a sense of motivation regarding actually applying the practice. And at that point, then I start to uh, basically go through a process of self-transformation where outside knowledge got me there. Right. But it's really exposing me now to inside knowledge and inside knowledge is really transformed very quickly into wisdom and empowerment. Yeah. Yeah, and I found um, for me that um, committing to teaching it creates the accountability and uh, the community that is attracted to it draws out of, of me what is wanting to be known. Like I can't get, get to it on my own. I'm too close to it. I can't see it. So the community draws it out and I can see it. I can sense it. I can track it through um, how I see it moving through the community and bonding people and what people are attracted to. It's just a very fascinating journey. And I'm really just so grateful for the community of people here that support um, Qigong and they support me. And um, it's just been really fun to, yeah, integrate what I'm learning from teachers like you and so um, your presence is definitely here in this community because we've studied two of your books together and a lot of what I've learned from you, I integrate into the classes and discussions. So I want to thank you again for being one of my teachers and uh, just really being someone who's anchoring a field of um, wisdom that's time is now. And I'm so glad to see so many people tapping into it. Mm. Amen. It's so gratifying. So, um, you know, you are less than 90 miles. I know that San Luis Obispo is 90 miles from my house. Yeah. So you're less than 90 miles uh, away. And yeah. so, I mean, in the worst case, we could, uh, Rebecca and I could just come on up you know, yeah. for, for, for like a, 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 a midday and we could be back home, like on right. the same day. Right. Or if we wanted to, we could figure out how to, you know, expand that into, uh, I don't know, maybe we should hang out for a month. <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of days <laughs> yeah well we'll definitely be in touch about that and um i want to make this a destination for students and teachers of qigong to come here and meet um it's uh, halfway between la and san francisco so it's kind of an attractive beautiful paradise here um and the energy here is prime for qigong i can't tell you how 
um, how uh, privileged I feel to, to live. Wow. Yeah, and you can draw from uh, San Luis, Santa Barbara, Goleta, Ventura. I mean, these are the short trips. LA is longer, San Francisco is longer. You can get to, um, where's that place where Moonstone Beach is? Uh, Cambria. Say it again. Cambria. Yeah, Cambria. You can get Paso Robles. They're like a whole, and you know, you'd think, well, but wait a minute. These are people who typically are not that interested in these things, but that's yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Maybe, um, you know, that International Qigong and Tai Chi Day is coming up in April. Maybe we'll organize something and uh, have you come oh, up. Yeah, you got to do that. I mean, whether I come or not, you got to do that. That's like, that's the touchstone, the international, you know, global touchstone for Qigong and Tai Chi. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's just been an honor to be in this space with you. And uh, yeah, we bounce well together. I like that uh, we can just be spontaneous and curious together and others benefit. So is there anything, oh, we want to talk about your website. How can people find you and your teachings sure. and let us know? So, <clears throat> I'll give two websites because uh, they kind of go together. Uh, the first one is the Institute of Integral Qigong and Tai Chi. And the website for that web address is simply iiqtc.org, iiqtc.org. And if you go to that website, there's a library there. There's a calendar of events there. There's a, you can sign on to a, uh, we have something called the uh, Qigong Library, which is, you can sign on for the Qigong Library. Uh, we have a newsletter and all that stuff. So if you just tinker around at iiqtc.org, you'll find a way where you can get onto our mailing list. And then the other uh, website that I'll give is um, the we have we developed many years ago something called Circle of Life. Uh, we call it the Circle of Life Holistic Life Planning System. And it's basically a kind of coaching, life coaching, if you want to call it that. And <clears throat> for people who, not many people understand the value of this, but for those who do, uh, if you go to colci.org, that's a Circle of Life Coach Institute. That is uh, basically where we support people in developing their own personal holistic life plan. And we know that people who operate from a plan tend to have a little bit more, uh, shall we say, of the, of the preferred outcome that they seek than those who do not have a plan. And then we also have a system or pe putting people into a relationship with a coach if they want to be and so forth. So that's called colci.org. That's Circle of Life Coach Institute. <clears throat> so that's probably enough. You know, we have lots of Facebook. You know, you can look me up on Facebook. You can look up the Institute of Integral Qigong and Tai Chi on Facebook. You can look up the Circle of Life Coaching on Facebook. 
we'll put uh, it all in the description. All all the links will be yes. in the, are in the description of this video. Excellent, um, excellent. So thank you for you know going off to China on all the several trips you went to, to get this information and bring it back to us. I mean, these are this is the difference you know between the teachers like yourself who have been at this for over four decades and the newer teachers like myself who've kind of had it delivered to us. We haven't had to go off into the mountains of China to get it from <laughs> teachers there, but. Um, well, it was fun to go, um, but truth is that is a long flight. Yeah. And, um, the truth is that when you get there, it's a strange place and it used to be strange and intriguing but it, it's now strange and dangerous mm -hmm. and so we like to say those of us who are involved in all of this we like to say we got qigong out mm -hmm. um, before it became impossible to to have access mm. well thank you for doing that and again yeah. you have to trust the timing right you have to trust you know, that you were inspired to do that then for that reason. Looking back in hindsight, we always have a little bit more wisdom in hindsight. So. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, many blessings, waves of waves of blessing chi. And yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> so then we'll just uh, keep the conversation going. Let's do it. I love it. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. And uh, to all of you for tuning in, thank you for your time and interest and all the links and resources we talked about in the conversation are in the description. Thank you again, Roger. Wish you well. Take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Good blessings.